So for those of you guys who are new to Antioch Church, we belong to a network of churches called Kingdom Ministries International. And the, the local expression of that, and when I say local, I mean national, is actually called Kingdom Ministries USA. And Randy and Tammy Howard actually serve in an apostolic capacity in KMI. I met uh, Pastor Randy, my goodness, it was probably about four years ago, uh, through a mutual connection that we have with the apostolic overseer of our house named Dennis Peacock. So uh, Apostle Dennis and Jan and a lot of the senior leaders in the KMUSA family are actually coming into town. Some of them are arriving tonight, some are arriving tomorrow, but they're having a senior leader uh, marriage retreat taking place at Glen Erie. And so when I found out that Pastor Randy and Tammy were coming, I asked if they would mind joining us a little bit early and imparting into the house, which they have graciously uh, received that invitation. So you're going to be blessed this morning because this man is not only a man of wisdom and revelation and insight, carries an incredible apostolic anointing, uh, but he's a man of sincerity and integrity. And uh, as soon as I met him, when we began working together in community transformation development, my heart was just drawn to him by the sincerity and by the honesty and integrity by which he carries his life. So I'm going to ask you, as my family, part of a larger family of Kingdom Ministries International, to help welcome Randy and Tammy Howard this morning. Just love on them, bless them. Come on, clap your hands as they come up this morning. Well, good morning. It is a joy to be here today. My wife, Tammy, would you stand, please? This is Tammy, and, and um, the mother of our four wonderful, lovely children who are now all grown up and married and uh, have given us now 14 grandchildren. Ah, uh, yeah, wow. I know I don't look that old, but that's all right. Um, I have the white hair to prove it, you know. I used to shave it off so I'd look younger, and then it just came out here, but either way, I just appreciate her and our family, and we're so glad to be with you this morning. What a wonderful, wonderful time of worship, amen? Well, my heart is just overflowing, and I'm blessed beyond measure uh, to see just the, the enthusiasm and the excitement for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we are excited to be connected to be related to one another through the, the medium of KMI. Uh, I am thrilled to be a part of that and uh, serve as a, I sometimes don't know what I actually am, except grateful to serve, and uh, but uh, give oversight and direction to the international portion of who we are, and also uh, serve as an advisor on the United States side with Adam Peacock and several other wonderful people. And it's good to see the Sanquist are here this morning and they're part of the America's Council of, of KMUSA. And it's just good to see all of you here this morning. I want you to take your Bibles if you would please because this is really why we came. We did not come to hear about me, we came to hear about Jesus and about the Heavenly Father, Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45. I know you've been in a time and a season of looking at the Lord's Prayer, and I may allude to that a little bit here and there, but, and I was going to really try to stay in the flow of that, but the Lord just has this word um, that has pierced my heart, and I, as I was praying in preparation for coming here, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to deliver it here. Is that okay with you? All right, good. Good. 
Um, Genesis chapter 45, I want to talk to you. I, you know, sometimes when guest preachers go places or guest evangelists, they really just try to they try to impress you with how wonderful they speak and how powerful they can deliver the word. I really just want to teach you something this morning. Um, because if we leave here without having received something that we can apply to our lives, then we really came in, we came in vain. And so I, I just have a few things that I want to share with you uh, about faith and freedom, in particular freedom. So let's pray and then we'll dive in here in just a few moments. Father, thank you so much for the privilege, the opportunity to be here. We thank you for the hospitality that we've received. But most of all, we thank you for the glory that has been delivered and given up and unto you. And we want you to receive it, Lord, from our hearts. We are here to magnify Jesus. And uh, we want anyone here who is lost and does not know you as Savior and Lord, let this be the day that they receive you, Lord Jesus. If someone is distant from you, Lord, I pray you draw them back to you. I pray, God, for broken marriages to be restored. I pray for children who have rebelled to come home. I pray, Lord, for those who are sick to be healed. I pray for miracles and signs and wonders to break forth in our lives because you are amazing, Jesus. We give you honor, we give you glory, we give you praise, in whose name we pray, amen. I want to talk to you today about the power of freedom that Christ provides us through the cross. The concept of freedom can be understood in this way. It is the power to act, the power to think, the power to speak without restraint or without any kind of hindrance whatsoever. And while there are mostly uh, things that are manifested in an external way, the greatest measure of freedom is internal freedom. It's the freedom of heart and it's the freedom of spirit. In over three decades, I believe, uh, of ministry, I believe that I've seen a lot of people who think they have freedom, but they are so bound by circumstances and situations of life. They are overwhelmed by, by experiences that have caused them great distress and great depression and great discouragement. And so I believe that I'm called to help people live in freedom no matter what is taking place in their life. And I can't help but think in a crowd this size that there are some people here today that are struggling and are bound by circumstances or people's opinion or someone's feeling about you, or you might even be, have been captivated by someone's words. I heard something earlier about, uh, you know, Pastor Jade was talking about what some people speak, and we actually believe that, and many times what people speak over our lives is nothing more than a lie of the enemy, amen? And so it's, it's about being free from the bondage of words, being free from the bondage of, of circumstances, situations, physical needs, and difficulties. And so I, I want to give us a word this morning from the Word of God that will help us experience real freedom. Now, when we look at different people in the Scriptures, we could recognize a number of characters of Scripture that could display to us a life of freedom. But I want to go to Joseph. Joseph is a special person. And in Genesis chapter 45, let's pay close attention, beginning in verse number uh, four, and I want to read through verse number 11, and if you'll forgive me, I'm going to pull out some help right here. Uh, I have the Holy Spirit to help me, but I also have my glasses to help me. 
All right. Chapter 45, verse 4. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here. Notice that. It was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry. Go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry, for you shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks, your herds and all that you have. For it is there that I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. Now, this was a situation that we must know the story before in order to appreciate. As a matter of fact, Joseph was a man who was free in heart and in spirit, even though he was constrained physically at various times throughout his life. Now, if you don't understand the story of Joseph, you won't understand real freedom. Joseph was a man who had prepared himself even as a boy. He was prepared in his father's house, and he was prepared in order to face life, though he did not know what the challenges would be. And I believe that God is sovereign, and I believe that God is working in all of our hearts and all of our lives in order to prepare us. If if that were not true, you would not be here. The very reason you're here is because God brought you here. You didn't just drive by and say, I think I'll go to that church, and you made the decision on your own. No, you were, you were wooed here, and you were drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible teaches us that God always goes before us. God always prepares a way, and God always has a plan and a destiny for those that he has chosen. And I am so glad that I am numbered among the chosen. You are being prepared. God prepared Joseph, even as a little boy, in order to fulfill great things in his life. However, that preparation was not just for the great thing, that preparation for the things that would lead up to the great thing, which meant that he was indeed going to have to live life from glory to glory. Say that with me. From glory to glory. We've sung about it. We've heard about it. And now you're going to see an example of a man in Scripture who lived his life from glory to glory. And when some people hear that phrase, from glory to glory, they think, wow, from from victory to victory to victory. But I want you to know that Joseph went from defeat to defeat to defeat. He went from pain to pain to pain. Now, indeed, God had a great plan for all of that because ultimately there is victory for those who endure to the end. But we have to see a man that went from glory to glory and understand that it was gory to gory. And your life may be much the same way, from difficulty to difficulty. Never getting a break, it seems. And that's when people come in and say to you, Well, you know, there's a better way, and their better way is a flesh way. 
Their better way is a worldly way. Their better way is a breaking away from the people of God way. And yet God tells us that faithfulness is critical to the life of a believer. To stay in it through thick and thin. To stay in it no matter how much the pain may be, the discomfort may be. That is when we know that we're free in heart, in spirit, when we can endure the difficulties that come our way externally and still say, yes, God is my God, Jesus is my Lord, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of life that is a glory to glory to glory life. Can I get a witness? Now, we are to live out the freedom we have in Christ. Say, in Christ. Now, that freedom in Christ is to be lived out despite the physical and circumstantial hindrances that will come our way. And we must see that we're being prepared for that by the preaching of the word, by the, by the ministry and music and worship, by the classes that are provided to us, by the friendships that we have, by the fellowship that we have, all because God is, is wanting to develop in us something mature and something masterful for new creation so that we are not only going to be free in heart and spirit but ultimately we are completely and totally free from death and darkness and destruction and despair and from derision that is where God is taking us as a corporate body and as a corporate body we experience that only to the degree that each of us as individuals experience it And that's why it's so important for us to be together. We are to prepare ourselves. We are to prepare our families. We are to prepare our our friends and our community of believers that we are associated with. And even our community external to the church, we are to prepare everything in order that everything develops towards the kingdom of God being fully made manifest. That's why I love, love you already as a church. Because your vision is to be an ecclesia. Your vision is to be a community of believers that understand the coming of the kingdom of God. But in order for the kingdom of God to come, in order for the nation of God's people to be preserved, it is going to require that we go through the difficulties of this life. And we go through it not to be destroyed, but to be developed. God is developing you. He is working on you. I, I remember when my children used to be little and they used to sing, God's still working on me. You know that song? To make me what I ought to be. I don't know the rest of the song, so I'm not going to try. All right? But I love that. And that, that, that part right there is enough for me. He's still working on me. He's still working on you. He is bringing you from glory to glory. He is bringing you from faith to faith. He is bringing you through the trials and the difficulties of life in order to prove out himself in the earth. It's not about proving you. It's about proving him. And that's why when we look at the life of Joseph, it's, you know, sometimes people teach on Joseph and they say, what a wonderful person Joseph was and how godly a young man he was. And all of that's true. And we can learn from his example. But the story of the people in the Bible are not about the people in the Bible. The chief aim of man is to glorify God in every story and every situation is in order to point to the greatness of our God the majesty and the wonder of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But it is all about building spiritual character in our lives, to bring about spiritual integrity and scriptural morals into every circumstance and situation that we go through. We We are free to do that. 
Some people talk about their freedom to do whatever they want to. Somebody, some people talk about freedom to sin and still go to heaven. That's not freedom. We are free to do right. We are free to be moral. We are free to love. We are free to care. We are free to serve. We are free to be kind. Why? Because we've been free from the grip of sin over our life through the cross of Jesus Christ. Living out the freedom we have internally despite the challenges indicates that we see the big picture. Say big picture. We all need a big picture mentality. Sometimes we think too small. Sometimes we think just according to what is in front of us or or what's beside us. And when we think too small, we are affected by the things that are closest to us. And so we need a big picture mentality. We need to have the mind of Christ, the mind of God, knowing that everything that God is doing and allowing in this world is for something greater to come. And that means for your life, even in the here and now, sometimes we can take that statement and say, well, yeah, I know that eternity's coming. I know that Jesus is coming. And after that, everything's going to be all right. But I happen to believe that things can be all right even before that doesn't mean that the world is going to shape up. It doesn't mean that the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or the Libertarian Party or the Green Party or the Independents are going to make everything all right so that we are happy and we feel joyful. None of, that, nothing, none of that's going to happen, my friend. The bottom line is this, though, that God frees us in heart and spirit so that whatever is happening circumstantially or external to our being is nothing compared to the joy that I can experience in Christ, even in the here and now. I don't have to wait for eternity. And Joseph shows us that kind of an example of a man who is free in heart and spirit and therefore free. I love what Paul teaches us when he says, it was for freedom's sake that Christ has set you free. Now, that's a huge statement and a huge concept if you think deeply about it because we are not free for things that we normally take and fill in the blank about. We are free for freedom's sake. And and suddenly we begin to think, well, what is freedom? Freedom is when Christ is glorified through a life that is lived according to grace. Let me give you a definition for grace. This is my favorite part of any sermon I ever deliver. My people know every Sunday I'm going to get the definition of grace in there no matter what I'm preaching or teaching on. But here's my definition of grace. I I think it's biblical. You test it out for yourself. Grace is the power of God working in me, enabling me to do what I cannot do in my natural ability. Say it again? All right. I'd be glad to because that's my favorite thing to do. Grace is the power of God that enables me to do what I cannot do in my natural ability. Grace empowers me to live free. Therefore, it is grace that comes from the cross, Jesus Christ. We even sing about his blood, the grace that was shed for me. It is by the blood of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God that empowers me to do anything right and to do anything righteously. Because in my natural man, there is nothing good, nothing at all. But grace has now destroyed the works of the flesh and freed me and empowered me to do what I could not do in my natural ability. 
And this is where a lot of Christians really bog down because a lot of Christians get bogged down by trying to figure life out for themselves, trying to reason it out, trying to rationalize it out, and trying to come up with solutions on their own. My friend, you do not have any solutions whatsoever to this life, nor do I, and I'm not here to pretend to give you any, except this, only Jesus can satisfy you. And the grace of God is the power that, in, that will enable you to do what you cannot do in your natural ability. So now, when we look at Joseph in the Old Testament, we scratch our heads and we say, well, isn't grace a New Testament concept? Grace is an eternal concept. Grace didn't just show up in the New Testament. Grace was active all throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Even in the life of Joseph, God gave him grace in order to endure the hardships of his life. And that grace would ultimately lead to glory. So in your life, God gives you grace that will ultimately lead you to glory. Now, how does that look? Well, let's think about Joseph. His brothers got upset with him. Why? Because he operated in his gift. Gifts are only given by the grace of God. And as Joseph began to operate in his gift, he began to prophesy by interpreting dreams. Well, his brothers got upset with him. They got jealous of him because, after all, the Bible says that Jacob loved him the most, treated him probably a little differently. His brothers got angry, and they sold him into slavery. But if Joseph had not operated in his gift, if he had not displayed grace in his life, his brothers would not have become angry, and his brothers would not have sold him into slavery. Well, some people would say, well, he should have kept his mouth shut. He should have minded his own business, and he wouldn't have found himself in trouble. But we, again, we have to have a big picture mentality. Even though Joseph did not know what was coming in his future, there was something operating in him that compelled him forward. What was it that compelled him to operate in the things that God had given him? It was the grace of God empowering him to do what he could not do in his natural ability. And so that elevated him into a place, and I call it elevate, you might say it it degradated him, but it elevated him into a place of, of of, of the pit, Instead of of refusing to operate in that, he gladly did so. His brothers put him in a pit, sold him into slavery. If they had not sold him into slavery, he would have never ended up in Potiphar's house. You remember Potiphar? Potiphar was the rich guy who, who ended up buying Joseph. Joseph came in. Potiphar gave him all responsibility of everything in his household. And, and so there he was, leader in the home, uh, leader of administration, and Potiphar's wife kept coming to him, and she had a, a desire for Joseph, and she kept trying to tempt him into sin, to which Joseph continually refused. How can a man refuse temptation? I'll tell you, the grace of God working in his life. In his natural man, he would have never said no, but the grace of God compelled him to say no. To the point that one day she grabbed his coat and he just jumped right out of his coat to take off running away from this sinful temptation. And so she accused him. She accused him falsely. And Potiphar had him arrested. After two years of service in Potiphar's house, now he's sent to prison. Had he never operated in his gift, his brothers would have never become angry and put him in a pit. Had he... Had he never been put into a pit, 
they would have never had a time to discuss what to do with him when this caravan came by, they sold him into slavery. Had he not been sold into slavery, he would have never ended up in Potiphar's house. Had he never been in Potiphar's house, he'd have never been falsely accused and sent to prison. Had he never been sent to prison, he would have never found favor with the prison keepers. And the prison keepers who saw this man who all of a sudden took over everything in the prison, not because he seized it, but because of his engiftment. Because he was so submitted to God and so free in heart and spirit to exercise grace in his life, he was then recognized as someone special. And so his reputation came before the king of the nation, Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh called for Joseph to come into his home. And it was there that finally we see that he began to rise up in the ranks because of grace, because of faith, because of freedom in heart and in spirit. Even though externally and circumstantially and situationally he was confined and restrained in so many physical ways. Friend, listen to me very carefully. The world and the cares of this life might seem to bind you and constrict you externally, but you can still be as free as you are in Christ Jesus. In heart and in spirit and in mind and in passion and in zeal and in fervor and enthusiasm and excitement. Why? Because Jesus has made us free for freedom's sake. That's what the cross has done for us. If Joseph had not lived in his freedom, he would have never came to Pharaoh's court And if he had no position of influence and leadership in Pharaoh's court, there would have been no opportunity to hear this, rescue his family from the famine. And had the family not come to Egypt escaping famine, there would have been no future for Israel. You see, the life of Joseph was not about Joseph. It was about a people. It was about a nation. It was about a kingdom. What God has called us to is not about you. It's not about me. It's about a people. It's about a nation. It's about a kingdom. And God is calling us to a higher level of individual life in order to do something masterful in the corporate life that we all experience with one another. Can I get an amen? You see, it's about the kingdom of God. And it's about future generations. Thank you, Pastor Jade, for talking about the generations. You see, Paul told the Galatians in chapter 5, verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. So what are some of the things that I can leave you with about Joseph's life? Here's some of the things that I want you to jot down, if you would. I'm going to be as quickly and as briefly as I possibly can be, and my wife knows that means absolutely nothing. But the first thing we see in Joseph's life is that Joseph had a legitimate, real, genuine, authentic fellowship with God. A real, authentic, genuine fellowship with God. He was free of human entanglements. And he had an unbroken relationship with a father. Now, as we have already pointed out, his circumstances kept changing, but his relationship with God was constant. In all the years that I've been in ministry, 30-something years pastoring, I have seen so many times you let the least little thing affect someone's life and God's to blame for it all. 
Suddenly, they no longer have the same zeal and passion they have at the front where they dance and where they worship and where they wave flags and where they raise their hands and where they celebrate with their mouth. But something comes, comes along and it just discourages them. It distracts them and it disconnects them. And before long, they, they, they are hard of heart and indifferent I know you've seen that before. Maybe you've even experienced that before. And I know that the human emotion is very fragile. And I know that sometimes we can get bent out of shape over the least little things, but I want you to know something. Don't ever allow it to affect your relationship and fellowship with a heavenly father. Because even though God might be behind some of the stuff, we need to know that many times it's a test. God is developing you, not trying to destroy you. He's developing you, not trying to distract you or detour you. He is trying to help you. He is not trying to hurt you. God is a tender, loving, gracious, magnificent father who only wants the best for his children. And we need to have a big picture mindset knowing that God is working in me. And so my fellowship and my relationship with God needs to be constant. Say constant. Joseph proved this out. He, he was favored son when he was in his father's household, and he maintained that fellowship even when he was an afflicted servant. In good times and in bad times, he remained free by his fellowship with his heavenly father, and God communicated through him. Listen, there are, there are times when, when we can use our negative situations and circumstances in life to be a, a, a horn blowing and blasting forth the very things that God is trying to teach us in those circumstances. Use it to God's advantage. Notice what I said there. Use your situation to God's advantage, not to your own. See, Joseph never looked for his own advantage. He was always looking to glorify his God. Why? Because he fellowshiped with God. He grew up with a vision about his life. He grew up with a vision about his future, and he would not let go of it, and not letting go of that liberated him. Listen, every one of you have a destiny. You have a purpose, and God has a passion for you. And the thing that God wants you to do is hang on to that very thing and don't let go. Don't let go of the promises of God. God has given you prophetic words. He's given you promises. He's, he's given you challenges. Yes, hang on to it and don't let go. Can I get an amen? Soon the circumstances in Joseph's life changed. He, he became a slave in Potiphar's house, a prisoner. And in his fellowship with God, even in the affliction, he continued to serve God. He had fellowship. The other thing about Joseph is this. He had favor with God and with man. Favor with God and man. Now, when I look at his story, I keep thinking, why, how could he gain such favor, you know, with man in particular? I understand how he got favor with God because he maintained fellowship with God. He maintained faithfulness to God. And, and yet with, with man, you know, you see this guy and, and he's afflicted consistently and constantly through his life. But I believe that people are looking for persistence in people who are people of conviction. And I believe Joseph testified that there was a greater power in his life than what he himself could muster. And people are looking for that because people need something in their life. There are a lot of people empty, and you have what they need. Amen. 
And so the only way we can show them there's a greater power than me is to overcome things supernaturally. And the grace of God enables us to overcome things that we naturally could not overcome, that we would always be defeated by, we would always be destroyed by. But grace lifts us up and raises us up to a level of victory that we can't attain for ourselves. And when people see that, they go, wait a minute, I want to be around that. What's contagious is success. And people want success, so they want to find out, how did you succeed? How did you come through that? I mean, that's one of the things that, uh, well, I won't go there. I'll start to go political, but I won't. I'm resisting temptation, and only grace can help me resist that temptation. So we have a testimony that can help people and bring favor, not only of God, but of man. When he was in his father's house, he was favored. When he was in Potiphar's house, he was favored for a while. But even when favor leaves, your fellowship with God doesn't stop. Because your fellowship with God will catapult you to the next level of favor, both with God and with man. But there's a third thing. We mentioned it already. He was faithful in his responsibilities. When his brothers were doing evil, this is interesting when you go back and read the story, when, when his brothers were doing evil, he was faithfully reporting it to his fathers. Now, I know what you're thinking. Brat, tattletale, come on. No wonder his brothers were upset with him. He was, he was a little tattletale. But what Joseph was concerned with was the honor of his family's name. That's a grace characteristic, is to be so passionate about the household's name, the father's name, that he went and told his brothers. He didn't join his brothers in their evil, nor did he hide their evil doings from his father. He was concerned always about the family. He wasn't bound by peer pressure. He was faithful to his responsibilities. He was faithful to doing right. Was he his brother's keeper? Apparently so. Apparently, his older brothers weren't mature enough to do right, so the younger brother had to hold him in check. Sometimes we ought to think that way. But see, the natural man says, no, you know, I want favor with man, so in order to get favor with man, then I need to kind of live up to their expectations and, and meet what they say their needs are, and that means being real secretive about their lives. But you see, we do more destruction that way, do we not? Now, one of the things that I believe strongly in is that we ought to be open, we need to be honest, and we need to hold people accountable to the, to the truth. And when we don't, we cause more destruction. And so one of the things about Joseph, he was faithful, and only grace could empower him to do the right thing. He continued to be faithful even when he was a slave in Potiphar's house. Potiphar was not inspecting the work of Joseph. He trusted him. But Joseph was faithful even when no one else was watching. How many times we as Christians, we, we were faithful when everyone's watching? Man, we've got a smile on our face. We've got a step. Uh, we've got a, a, a leap in our step. I mean, we have, we have laughter on our face. We have, we have joy or happiness in our heart, not necessarily joy. But when we're alone, when we're by ourselves, it's a much different story. When we're in private, it's a much different story. See, you are not who you are in public. You are who you are in private. 
You are who you are when nobody's watching. Joseph could have done anything. He had the run of the house. He had the run of the mill. He could have probably even had an escapade with Potiphar's wife, but he chose not to. Why? Because he was faithful in his responsibilities. He was faithful no matter what the cost no matter what the price was going to be paid. And even when, when he was accused and he spoke up for the truth and they didn't believe him, he was still willing to go and serve time. You see, the bottom line is this. He was faithful no matter what the circumstances and situations of his life. Are you getting this? Amen. The next thing is he feared God. Verse 7 through 20 of chapter 39 talks about this, and we don't have time to go into it, but he had a fear of God in his heart. The wife, again, of Potiphar was constantly tempting him to have an immoral relationship with her, but he was consistent, and he refused her advances, even to the point where he made this comment. He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And that ought to be the attitude of our heart. How can I, how can I lie and cheat and steal? How can I criticize and gossip and complain? How can I murmur? And how can I, how can I stay home? And how can I not serve? And how can I not help? And how can I? Because of what God has done for me. Because he's rescued me from my sin. Because Jesus died on the cross for me. How can I not do what he's called me to do? How can I not do right in the midst of temptation? How can I not say yes to him at all times? Amen? Because of what he has done for me. See, Joseph understood that his faithfulness was not based on his own ability to be faithful, but rather his faithfulness was based upon the already preexistent faithfulness of his God. Oh, if you can get that in your spirit, then God will become so much larger than he already is. He feared God, and he loved God, and he fellowshiped with God, and he was favored by God. But here's another thing about Joseph, and this is where I want to spend a little bit more time, though I don't have much time. Joseph had a forgiving nature. Say, uh-oh. Oh, that's not good enough. Say, uh-oh. See, when I anticipate that amens will not be abundant, it's always good to say, uh-oh. He had a forgiving nature. Now I know part of, this is where I slide in the Lord's Prayer part because, you know, there's a portion that talks about forgiving because we've been forgiven and so forth, our trespasses and our sins. Joseph had a forgiving nature. Now that doesn't mean that naturally he was a perfect human being and therefore he was just this naturally wonderful guy. But what I say when I say forgiving nature, I'm talking about because he adopted or rather received the nature of his father. You know, just like was mentioned earlier by Pastor Jade, and I paid really close attention to almost every word that was said this morning, is that Joseph began to reflect his father because he was a good son. And that is as in, in the release of forgiveness. Now watch this. He had no bitterness that we can see in Scripture. He had no resentment for those who harmed him. He remained free from these bondages that can easily destroy the heart. How many of you know unforgiveness destroys the heart? You see, real freedom produces forgiveness. We often say and understand it the other way around. Here's how we often say it in the church. Listen carefully. We often say that in order to be free, 
we must forgive. I've said it before. I've ministered that way. If you want to be free, we're going to release the spirit of forgiveness in this house. You have someone to forgive, and you can't be free until you forgive. I want you to come to the altar, and we lay hands on them, and we pray for them, and we, we think they're delivered. The reason I say we think they're delivered is because they return back to the same old bondage. Because they don't understand it this way. You are not free because you forgive. You forgive because you are free. Jesus has set you free. You're already free. In Christ, we are free. It was for freedom's sake that we were set free. And so because you're free, guess what? You forgive. You say, well, wait a minute. What if I have unforgiveness in my heart? Then you're not free. You're not living out the freedom that you have. Christ has set you free. Therefore, the evidence and the result of freedom is that you forgive. You cannot harbor anything in your heart when you are free. You forgive as a natural release of the grace of God that's in your life because of freedom that is coming to your life. Are, are you hearing me? Whether you agree with me or not, are you hearing me? See, his brothers had caused untold suffering in his life. He had pleaded with his brothers not to send him in the slavery, but his brothers did not show mercy to him even though they saw the anguish of his heart. Yet Joseph remained free of bitterness. Therefore, he never really had to forgive them in the first place. So when we come to the end of the story, Genesis chapter 45, and there they're feeling bad and they're feeling miserable and they're feeling, you know, very, very down in the dumps because now they realize this is their brother whom they did a very nasty and terrible thing to. What was Joseph's response? It was, don't worry about it. It was God who sent me here. You're just a tool in the hand of an awesome God. And I'm here, and I have no bitterness, and I have no anger, and I have no resentment in my heart for you. And you might say, well, I'm sure along the way there had to be some of that. There's no mention of that anywhere in the Scripture about bitterness or resentment. He just continued to shine in every situation of his life. Why? Because he was free. His life was the evidence of freedom. Freedom was not the evidence of his life. You are free by the grace of God. Isn't it amazing when Paul talks about salvation, he says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And it's interesting, and I know there's no punctuation, there's no commas in the original language, but they were added there, you know, by the translators. But if we read it the way the translators have punctuated it, I kind of hear Paul saying it this way. Because everybody's really emphasizing faith, 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 faith. And Paul comes along and says, it's by grace that you're saved. Oh, yeah, through faith, of course, comma, but not of works, or else you'll boast about it. It is by grace that you're saved. In other words, it's the whole work of God. And, and salvation is the work of grace, and therefore you have faith. It is not the work of faith, and therefore you are graced. My faith is a result of the grace of God. Why? Because faith is a gift. And God has given me faith 
graciously in order that I can believe God, in order that I can receive what God has for me, in order that I can forgive because freedom produces forgiveness. Forgiveness does not produce freedom. Grace produces faith. Faith does not produce grace. See, in the kingdom, it's quite different than our human understanding, even of concepts that we want in order to comfort our own hearts. Because you see, your salvation and your destiny has nothing to do with you, has everything to do with God. You are merely the means through which God gets glory. Uh, Some people will be offended by that. Remember, you're free, so you cannot be offended by what I say. Because some people hear that in a different way. They hear it through filters because they centralize their own lives and say, well, aren't I important to God? Of course you're important to God or he would have never chosen you in the first place. But when we think that we're important and we're the central of the un- center of the universe and we're the center of all of, of, of God's passion point, then what we do is we become important in our own eyes. And we disable ourselves from actually operating in the very freedom that we've been given. And yet God is really the central character in this story. He is the one that we glorify and edify and lift up and rejoice in. Amen? Amen. Not me, not you, not us. It is all about him. And that's the thing we learn by observing and watching the life of Joseph. He had a forgiving nature and he always operated in that as a result of his freedom. Well, the last thing that I'll say is he was filled with the Spirit of God. There was a supernatural dimension to his life. Pharaoh discerned this anointing upon his life, and he asked his servant. Here's what Pharaoh said. It's right there in the Scriptures. He says, can we, can we find such a one as this one is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is. Wait a minute. Here is Pharaoh who worships false idols. Here's a man who had no concept of the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. He had no concept, but he recognized the Spirit of God. Just like in the fiery furnace, was it not, or where the three Hebrew children were, and Nebuchadnezzar said, I see three guys. Wait a minute. No, I see four. And the fourth guy, man, he looks like the Son of God. Well, how in the world do you know what the Son of God looks like? Well, apparently God gave him a a momentary revelation of something so profound and beyond his own natural ability to comprehend that he was able to testify of the presence of God. And so, too, Joseph because he was filled with the Spirit of God, so exuded with the Spirit of God that even those who did not know God could recognize the Spirit of God was upon his life. Listen, my friend, the reason God puts obstacles in your life is so that you can manifest the presence of God in your life so that people can say, it is obvious the Spirit of God is on you. And and sometimes we think, well, our people I work with, they're not gonna see that. They don't even think that way. Pharaoh didn't think that way either, but you can live your life in such a way that people are going to eventually see the presence of God upon your life. Amen. And that's really what God is after. He's after his presence in your life. Not just on Sunday morning. Not just in Bible study, whenever it is in your neighborhood. 
But God wants his presence manifested in your life every single moment of every single hour of every single day. Through thick and thin, through difficulty, through trial, through temptation, through error, through, through failures and through successes, God wants you to know he's there and he's there for a reason. He's there in order for you to live out the freedom that he has made you free for. That's what God has called us all to do. And when we do that, our children are going to grow in grace. They're going to grow from glory to glory. They're going to go from faith to faith. They're going to go even from one difficulty to another, praising God. Amen. Every time something bad happens in your life, you know what you ought to say? Praise God, I get to go through this again. And say, I wish Pastor Jay would have brought a health, wealth, and prosperity guy to us today. Because this guy's gloom and doom. No, I'm not. No gloom and doom. Because even in the pit, God is present. Even in Potiphar's house with a, with a temp, temptress there, God is present. Even in the prison with murderers, God is present. Even in Pharaoh's court with all the idol worshipers, God is present. No matter where you are, God is present if you've been free in Christ Jesus. Amen? So how happy can we be? As happy as you want to be. It's up to you. You choose to live in your freedom or you choose to believe the lie of the enemy. And I choose to believe God. I choose to look up and say, thank you, Father. I am your son and your servant. Sometimes, you know, we, we kind of put those two things at odds with one another, but I'm a serving son. Why? Because he's a faithful father. And I will do all that I can in the power of what he provides for me to achieve his purposes for my life. And I know I cannot do it on my own. I need his grace. And as a result of his grace, I respond in faith. And then he empowers me. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads, please? Thank you for your patience. We've gone a little long. But I, I ask you to forgive me for that because you're free. Thank you, Father, for your presence in this house. Thank you, God, for how our hearts have been enraptured by worship. How our lives have been encouraged by words and watching children gathered here in the front and go forth in the word of God in our classes. We thank you, God, for this entire experience this morning with brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, what an incredible, incredible opportunity you have given us to be together. Let us not take it for granted. Let us not treat it lightly. But Lord, there may be someone here in this place that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord. And it would be a travesty for them to leave here without declaring you as Lord of their life. So I pray for them today, that today they would say yes to Jesus. That they would say, yes, I know that I'm a sinner and I, and I know that he's forgiven me and I accept his forgiveness and I declare that he's Lord and Savior of my life. I pray that anyone here without him now will receive him. And I pray, Lord, that they will, Lord, their heart will be so transformed by truth that, Lord, they will raise up and rise up and be counted among those that you've chosen. Thank you, Father. I also pray for those who are free but have not really embraced their freedom, that they've harbored unforgiveness in their heart and, and that, Lord, they have, Lord, just had a, 
a hardened mind towards other individuals or, or circumstances or situations. Help them to see that they are free and that they no longer need to be bound by the chains and the shackles of darkness. That, Lord, they don't need to live in depression and distress and discouragement, but, Lord, that you have freed them in order to be free so that they can manifest your glory and have the joy of the Lord, which is their strength. I pray, oh God, that you'll free them this morning, right now in the name of Jesus, that you'll liberate them fully in terms of their recognition of their own freedom for which you have set them free. Lord, let us be walking and living as a free people. Not freedom as the world defines it, but freedom as you declare it. Lord, do something in our hearts today. Where husbands and wives are struggling with each other, Lord, I pray they'd lay that down that they would pick up love, they would pick up an embrace, and they would, Lord, just be reconnected with one another this morning. I pray for children who, Lord, have strayed. I pray they'd come home. Some parents right here today are praying for children that are not serving the Lord. I pray, Lord, you'd call them home right now, right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we just declare your word over this house. We declare your grace has come to empower us to believe and to do and to act and behave in ways that we would not naturally. And I pray, God, that the Spirit of the living God would fall fresh upon each one of us. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord? As you lift your hands, and you've probably heard this analogy before, you lift them as spiritual antennas as the Holy Spirit is now wanting to connect with you in a deeper way. And I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would fall fresh and anew upon your life. You don't even have to come to an altar to get this right now. You don't, you don't even have to get up out of your seat because it's about being free in your heart and in your spirit. And so I pray right now, Holy Spirit, fall on every individual in this house right now. And when I say fall on them, what I am saying is not only let heaven, which is open already, Release the power of the Holy Spirit from above, but also, if you're saved, let the Holy Spirit that's within you rise up. Because you are full of the Holy Spirit. You don't need anything from the outside. You need everything on the inside of you to rise up and say yes to the Word of God, yes to the grace of God, yes. And that's the Holy Spirit who will fill you from the inside out. So let the anointing fall, let the Spirit rise, and fill us fresh right now in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let it be in Jesus' name. Amen.